Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. I'm your one of your hosts, JH, and I'm here with Sian. And welcome to the Home Plus Life podcast. If you haven't welcome, tuned in welcome, before, welcome. welcome. Thank you for jumping on board and, and tuning in. Um, we got some cool stuff to talk about this week. We've, we've had a bit of a break because, of course, I went on the road trip and we had a bit of a break. So we're, we're back in our little makeshift studio and we've got some pretty cool stuff to talk about over the next couple we of weeks. We do, and I'm actually proud of myself because I was the one that thought of the whole run. Yeah. Well, not the run sheet. You did that, but I gave you the topics. Yeah, you've, you've come up with the topics. We've got So we've got a uh, topic this week and then a JTM, but then the next two weeks after that, we have no JTM because we're diving into what 2024 might look like. Yeah. So that, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but what are, what are we talking about today? So today, the real estate stuff is going to be foreign investor tax and impact. That's right, because the, the federal government, so the Labor Party's uh, put forward a motion to uh, basically incentivize foreign investors not to have their properties vacant, but also to try and limit the impact of foreign investors in the market. Yeah. So that, that'll be interesting. And then what are we talking about in the JTM? And then the JTM, we're going to be looking at the year that was. And it's going to be a little bit of a game for you. Oh, God. Because you, uh, you've already said, uh, I don't even know what happened in November. So well, it's, it's not that I don't know what happened in November. It's that being Aspie... And uh, that he's uh, an old man. No, being, being <laughs> neurospicy, time is and a really is fluid concept. <laughs> So if I don't have anchor points, you could say to me, something really important happened on the 14th of November and I'll have no idea what it was. I can't even remember that sort of stuff. But if, if I've got an anchor point, I'll be fine. So this, this could be interesting. But anyway, uh, look, well, before we jump into that, I think, you know, all of the uncertainty in, in the property market, everything that we're seeing, it's up, it's down, there's interest rates, all that sort of stuff. It, it's why I built Check My House Price. I built Check My House Price at the tail end of the GFC. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason I did it was to address the confusion in the market, to help demystify things, and to arm homeowners with a house price report that allowed them to make fully informed decisions based on accurate information. And that's the most important thing. Regardless of whether you're staying, you're going, you know, you're looking to invest, doesn't matter what the reason is, starting with a house price report arms you with the information you need to make an fully informed decision. So make sure you check out checkmyhouseprice.com.au or if you're one of our many New Zealand listeners, checkmyhouseprice.co.nz and uh, get yourself a free house price report. So whatever your next step in your your property journey is, you're making it fully informed. Yep, because knowledge is power. Absolutely. All right, All right. so what are we talking? Let's, let's jump in. Foreign so investors. Foreign investor tax and impact. So you've got here potential impact 
Let's talk about that first. What? How is about the, how about we jump out? I'm gonna. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Give me the run sheet, and then decides not to do the run sheet. No, no, we're gonna do the run sheet. We're gonna do the run sheet. We just the notes I put on the run sheet are in different order. But why ask me then? Let's let's lead <laughs> off. Let's lead off at the start of this year. Canada banned foreign investment or foreign buying for two years, and it was in response to. The post-pandemic madness, they've had similar price rises and housing crisis issues that we've had here in mm -hmm. Australia. They had a similar response to the pandemic, similar similar economic response uh, and similar housing response, similar market response. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and at the beginning of the year, they came out and, and Justin Trudeau, the, the president or prime minister of Canada, prime minister. Uh, prime minister, sorry, came out and he said, we're going to ban foreign buyers for two years. Mm -hmm. To try and ease this crisis and I ensure... I do remember the uproar. There was quite a few people that are just like, why the hell are you doing that? And then there was also the flip side of it where people were like, this is what we need, mm. which, is, which is pretty typical in a democracy. Well, the, look, the big question from Your Investment Property magazine, an article they wrote back in January in response to the, the Canadian ban, was should Australia follow suit? Mm. And it's a, it's a really interesting proposition. Because foreign investors have been made the scapegoat for a long time. Mm. For a long time. Because there's not necessarily anyone to actually represent them when it comes to talking about stuff. What I find interesting is if we look at this and we were to ban foreign investors. So this, this new uh, tax that's being introduced is looking to, my understanding is it's looking to tax uh, foreign owners mm -hmm. uh, if they... Uh, leave the property vacant. Yeah. So it's looking to increase, but it's also looking to make it harder to purchase property so and also increase stamp fees and taxes. that at least tenancy is occurring. Yes, because there's a lot of talk about all these vacant properties around Australia. So the, the million vacant properties, you know, that we've, we've talked about previously uh, is coming back into the, the vernacular, the, in, mm. into the narrative. And it, it does. It kind of happens on a cycle, right? Yeah. And the first cap off the rank in any media cycle is to go after the foreign investors. Now, I'm not saying that this move by the government's a bad one. Yeah. Okay. But it's not going to be the be-all and end-all. No. And and there's some numbers behind this that I think we really need to understand. So they're looking to disincentivize foreign investors from buying property in Australia in order to uh, relax demand a little bit or ease up on demand. Mm -hmm. um, and also to so that, you know, locals have more chance to kind of cool the the skyrocketing prices. This creates beautiful headlines. Yeah. I also have to tip my hat and say, fair play, you're actually doing something to address demand. What I don't like about this is the way that it's being presented as a be-all. Like yeah. it's, it's a major kind of cog in the housing crisis machine and we're going to be able to win the battle because we're going to stop this cog. Meanwhile, when you actually look at the numbers, you realise that it's a minute cog. Well, look, let's... Which still has an effect, but it's not bearing all of the weight. Let's, let's look at the numbers. Foreign investment and foreign ownership of residential property is estimated to be 25 to 4%. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, stated by PRD Real Estate Chief Economist, Dr. Diaswati Madia Samo. Apologise for massacring your name, doctor. Uh who stated that around 2.5 to 4% of Australian residential property is foreign-owned. So that, that's a fairly small percentage for starters. Now, the trend of foreign ownership 
And I've got the Register of Foreign Ownership of Residential Land here from the Australian Government, the Australian Taxation Office, the report done for the period 1st of July 2020 to 30th of June 2021, so the 21 financial year. Mm -hmm. And it showed that in that period, there were only 5,310 residential real estate purchase transactions that had a level, and and the the exact wording here is, uh, transactions had a level of foreign ownership. With a total what value of four point two billion, it means that it wasn't necessarily entirely foreign, foreign owned. Yeah. It had a level that needed to be reported. Okay, so but that seems like a lot on the surface. If we say five thousand three hundred ten, however, if we put that in perspective, there were five hundred and eighty eight thousand residential real estate transactions in that financial year in twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. Yeah. This is less than 1% of the transactions were foreign investors. Hold on. So, okay, now that I know the numbers, because we had a talk about this earlier mm-hmm. on today, yep. now that I know when the numbers were pulled, so you could have it where someone puts down that they are, let's say, from Singapore, mm-hmm. right? where they may technically be an expat. And we know what actually happened in 2020 and 2021 where not all borders had opened and even though... Well, you, 2020, the borders were closing. Like that, that yeah, whole year, they were right. all closing. But the... Um, were closed. Yeah, but um, what I'm saying here is that you may have had someone come back from, let's say, Singapore and... Technically, yes, they are... Not if they're an Australian citizen. So this is foreign owners who are not Australian citizens. Yeah, but you also said that they're at some level. So yes. they could have come no, back, they, but they also had a partner who was actually a, a resident of another country. If, However, if it was in, if it was it in joint names, yeah, yeah, if it was right. in joint names and that second person was potentially a foreign citizen... I'm not sure how that would show if that had show up here. I can't tell you that yeah, well, for certain because there there's no clarification did, on the data. because yeah, we did talk right? about it and you were like there is a portion of that where we can't say exclusively as to how much of that 500,000 or however many thousand the, the 5,000, yeah. Yeah, that um, was actually occupied or tenanted. No, no one no one can really find. So the numbers that get thrown around are they expect that there's ten percent of Australian property that are vacant. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking that one point one million. Which is still concerned. Which is it's, the reason it's why inconcern. they're bringing in the Airbnb tax and all the rest exactly. of it. Exactly. It is it is still of a concern. Um however, if we look at this and we go, well, two point five to four percent are foreign investor owned. That means that most four hundred and forty thousand properties in this country, residential properties are investor owned. Yeah. Okay. So that's fine. The vast majority of those are tenanted or they're not vacant is my point. Yeah. Okay. Or they're not livable. Yeah. So even if you have like one in four of them is being vacant and held deliberately vacant, because one of the things that I, I did read, I think it was in a, a financial review report, um, is that particularly people from China mm-hmm. will purchase a, a property, an apartment usually, they'll leave it vacant. Because the returns are so low, both in capital and also tenancy returns compared to what they're used to, like they're used to these low returns in China, that just the capital return that they get on, like the capital growth that they get on an apartment or a property in Australia far outweighs any return they'd get in China. And so therefore it incentivizes them in a way to 
maintain, leave the property exactly as don't put tenants in because in their mind, tenants put wear and tear on the property and reduce the value and the, the perception of it. Mm. And they hold it and they hold it vacant and their kids then come to Australia to, to study at university and things like that. And that's where they'll live. And then they'll just hold the property and they'll sell it for capital growth at a later date. Mm. Right. And, and that's it. And so this is what's one of the things that has been discussed. It was raised in 2017. Like it's, it's been raised consistently over a number of years. Even if that is as bad as what they're saying, we're still talking maybe 100,000 properties in but existence. But that still doesn't put more houses out there. We no, need to, if, at if the you end force of the day, them, we need to actually we, we need to build more houses. houses. So, but if, if you force them to pay more tax, it's still a better return. That capital growth is still a better return. It's still cheaper than what they would be paying. Because exactly. when I went yeah. to Beijing a couple of years ago, it worked out that for a two-bedroom apartment near the now completely vacant, run-down um, Olympic area mm-hmm. that they had mm-hmm. or have um, in Beijing, it was something stupid. It was like, I think it worked out to be around, um, and you have to remember, like their apartments over there are so tiny. Oh, they're small. So the average, they, the average dwelling size in Australia, I, I found that while we were researching this stuff, is about 88 square metres. And yeah. over there, it's 33. Yeah. So, like, so, you're talking nearly three times the size. So, of course, it, it makes sense. The capital growth is significantly better. Well, it better, ended and up it being sense. something like $5,000 a month for this tiny yeah. apartment. No, it, it, it makes you, sense And you look at it them. and you just sort of go, well, of course they're going to be going, oh, yeah. well, if I can pay 5000 and I've got twice a bigger area... I'm I'm laughing. Well, it, it, and that's the thing. It does. It makes sense. It makes sense from an investment point of view, mm. um, and that's what the government's trying to address. But the taxes that they're bringing in, it's not like there's a lot of commentary stating that it's not going to truly cause people put properties back on the market. Yeah. Right. Um, the narrative, and, and this is a narrative that I find interesting, is the government agency Housing Australia says that we're going to have an undersupply over the next five years of a hundred thousand houses. Now, you and I know that that is a gross underestimation. Mm. And we've talked about that on the podcast before because we know that based on their immigration targets of 600,000, 700,000 people in the next 12 months, just based on the last census, we know we need 250,000 houses to house just those people alone, minimum. let alone the ones, minimum, let alone everyone who's moving out, marriages that are breaking up, you know, people that are wanting to, to get their own house in Australia, all that sort of stuff, right? And the, the standard demand. We're only producing houses at a rate of 120,000 a year. Mm. So as it stands, we're going to be short well, I... 150, 200, maybe even more thousand houses a year, not this 100,000 over the next five there's years. There's also another topic that we need to cover as well, which does link into this, uh, that there is a significant, significant amount of people from all age brackets moving in with older generations. Yep. So whether that's uncle and aunt who have a bigger house and, you know, or parents uh, that are moving in with them because, A, they can't find a, a property or, B, like they can't find a property to buy or they can't find somewhere to rent. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So they're just going, look, what can we do here? Can we move in with you? Because we're needing somewhere to yeah. live. And and that's and that's going to increase. So one of the interesting things that, that came about on that is people are talking and, and a lot of the, the pros and the, the media commentators are talking about having to densify our urban sprawl. 
so build up rather than out. Mm. And that, but that's a topic for like I that's think that's another time. That, that's yeah. Next next week, I think we talk about some bold predictions and that. Yeah. Um, look, I I think I'd love to see a foreign and a foreign buying ban in Australia for a short period of time. Yeah. I th- I think that's good. Like, there's a lot of this this measure doesn't go far enough and it doesn't address the problem. The biggest issue I have with this measure is that it's not addressing the problem as a whole and it's kind of becoming a, a lightning rod for people and in the media and that as well to go, look, we're solving the problem. We're not. It's a tiny piece of the problem. It yeah. is part of the problem. Let's not lose focus on the fact there are many p- pieces to this problem. Mm. Let's not scapegoat foreign buyers because they're not at fault here. Yeah. Right, they just took advantage of the system as anybody would. The the scapegoat or the 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 organization, the entity, the group that is at fault is the government because they allowed things to get this far mm. and they didn't put things in place. That said, this will have some small effect on reducing demand. Yeah. Okay, and and demand from outside. Yeah. So that is a positive, and I and I, I look, I see the positive, and it's a good thing that we're seeing some measures from the government, mm. right, that are actually addressing the demand. Because what we have jumped up and down about on previous episodes is we've talked about, like, the first home grants and everything like that. They're all well and good, but they they Doesn't don't increase supply the, yeah. and, it, and it only increases demand, which actually exacerbates the problem. Yeah. I'm not saying we should get rid of them because first home buyers should get help, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm supportive of that but we haven't seen policy that addresses demand. Mm. This does address demand. Yes, it addresses a tiny, tiny part of the demand, but hey, that's a start. Mm. Let's not get fooled into the black and white lightning rod. It, it's n- this is the be all and end. It's not the be all and end all. Mm. Let's absolutely continue to hold the government and state governments and federal governments accountable for the housing crisis and ensure that they don't just stop at that. this measure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think we've gone through everything. Look at you. Look at us. We're on time. Holy jeebus, what happened? Oh, by the way, one quick thing. <laughs> I lie. <laughs> uh, so Victoria, with there's hundreds of thousands of properties being estimated in short-stay accommodation, Airbnb stays, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to address that issue and try and get those put back on the market, two different state governments in this country have taken two different approaches. Yep. Victoria's put... Vacant land tax on it, applying extra tax to Airbnb. We've done an episode on that and talked about it. WA has offered a $10,000 incentive for if you currently own a short-stay short stay accommodation and you convert that to a 12-month lease, you can get up to ten grand for that first year, which is an extra $200 a week in rent if you break it down like that. So mad, mad props to those governments. They're looking at ways to alleviate the demand through that short-stay accommodation aspect. Well, when you look at it, if you've got a new build and you put someone into that new build mm. and you've got that 10000 incentive, that's, an, that's a nice little chunk that's being taken off. It's a nice off. little chunk. It's a nice little chunk. So, look, you know, I, you and I have jumped up and down about it in various ways for, what are we at, 37 episodes now. And we do have another um, topic as well that just reminded me. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Um, but look, the, the current government, the Labor government currently, look, and, and I'm not Labor or Liberal, I'm a swinging voter. I, I go with who I think's got the best policies at that time of the election um, for this country as a whole. But what I will say is the issue that has landed in Labor's lap is not of Labor's making. 
it is a hundred percent liberal government's fault, or you know, for this housing crisis and that sort of thing. That their inaction over the last decade um, has uh, no, because over the last decade there has also been Labor. I think you'll find since two thousand and thirteen, it's been liberal. You might want to go and check that. Well, you've got the phone right there. Do you know how I know this? How do you know this? Because I worked it with the federal government. My God, it's just. The last government was so traumatic it felt like it was 10 years in. Okay. So on that note, though, while I, like people, do people really want me to go through this? I want point? you to go through it. Let's okay. we'll play the intro. Let's go to JTMs and we'll update in the JTM. Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's J-Thought Moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pork, bark, smoking meat, podcast, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. What's really great right here? See you playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's JTM, J-Thought Moment. JTM. What will be his next shiny object? JTM. It's time for this week's J-Thought Moment. Man, she's the slowest Googler ever. No, I've got it here. What is it? So, um, the it the it changed in two thousand and sixteen. Right. So to, we had to liberal. From Previously, Labor. it was Labor. Who was who was in power in twenty sixteen? Julia. Ugh. <laughs> all right, well, both in that case, both sides of government have led us to this point. Hold them all accountable, bugger Look, them Look, it's not just the past 10 years. This thing has been oh, in the is, making. This has been brewing for 20, 25, for 30 years. Literally, I'm pretty sure it was an issue even when I was in high school, which is going back many moons. It, it was, turn it, of the century, people. It, turn yeah, of no, the it, century. Wasn't, it wasn't a housing crisis. Like, we, we've only been there in was crisis still, for There were still shortages. Like, to turn around and say it's, there hasn't ever been a shortage I'm, I'm not saying there delusional. hasn't ever been a shortage, but what I'm saying is the problem was nowhere near... And the shortage, it was nowhere near what we're seeing now. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Right? In the early noughties, so late 90s, early noughties, and, and keep in mind, like, I graduated 1998. So I was going out into rental markets and things like that. I was then going out into purchasing markets shortly after. And there was never an issue or a fear that you were going to miss out. Yeah. Right? And that you weren't going to be able to find a home. So... You know, that's, that is a recent phenomena since the recovery of the GFC because it wasn't the case in the GFC either. Anyway, what's that JTM? Um, it is the year that was. And oh, now that on. you've gone and made me look, now I can't find the actual thing that I was going to use. Hold <sighs> on, I think I do. I think I, organized. I think I was proactive. I was proactive. I hope you were proactive. Okay, so news events. Oh God! All right, I don't watch the news. I go and no, but I can I can tell you right now there is two that I or Let's three. Go. Come on, let's do it. Let's okay, do it. the top one uh, for twenty twenty three. Top what news event? News event. The death of Queen Elizabeth. Nope. Believe it or not, that didn't even like this is Google searches that people have gone right. and put in. The top event. It for actually technically happened only recently, and there was many people outraged by it. Oh god, that's just every day. I mean, it depends on. on no, what I the can understand why is. we we were fine, but there was many. Is, it, is this globally or just Australia? Just Australia. Just Australia. Many people 
who were outraged from it and there had been many a people make memes, gifs, reels, stories about this particular thing and literally all of Australia was like, oh, no. Oh, Fantail's being cancelled. Look, it would be up there, but no, it was the Optus outage. Oh, screw Optus. Who cares? <laughs> that's, that's why I did, I've been with Vodafone on Telstra. I've never been with Optus. And uh, another one. No shortage of fantails around here. <laughs> another one was something that happened to um, a thing in the sea. A thing in the sea. Yep, you you were all over this. You were watching it from day dot. You're like, how is that scientifically possible? I was how was that the the that- um, BP oil rig and it was on fire in the ocean? No, where you were like, it was just like a tin can, just imploded. Oh, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um the what's it sub, the the billionaire's friggin' PlayStation controller. <laughs> Controlled sub. That That was actually number six on the most Google. So Optus overtook a submarine. Yeah, that's because 11 million people got scammed. Well, yeah. 11 11 million data records got stolen or whatever it was. Then the next one is the war in Israel and Gaza. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, We're not touching that one. No. We, we, Um, We do not know enough about the politics of that area to have any opinion whatsoever. Look, all I know is that war is bad. War is bad. Peace is good. Yeah. Uh, so then the next one is the referendum results. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Mm. That was an interesting one. Um, um, look, I'm I'm glad of the result because the way I went through and I read the constitutional amendment and the way that it was written, there were no checks and balances. There was no. There was no guarantee that the voice was going to be made up of Indigenous people. Like, yes, that was in the marketing, and that's what the Yes campaign has put. But when you went and read the constitutional amendment, it was so open that I could have been appointed the voice, and I'm the whitest white guy in history. Mm. And then I could have gone and appointed my mates. And so it it was so rife for manipulation, in my opinion, that it was like writing a politician a blank check. And so I, yeah, like I was very relieved because I think our politicians have had enough blank checks written for them over the last three years and I don't think they've done enough with the the power that we gave them through COVID and the things that we agreed. I don't think collectively they did enough or behaved in a way that warrants our blind trust with a constitutional amendment that is so wide open they could literally do whatever the hell they wanted with it and it was a case of, oh, it's all good. Just trust us. We'll write the legislation for each of the individual things later. And so, yeah. I just don't like thinking that, you know, the Indigenous people aren't truly being represented. And that, that was, parliament. and that's it. Like, I, I felt that that was going to allow but old white guys we, to use the I, Indigenous issue to I, do whatever the hell they want. I don't want Indigenous people to all the First Nations people is what we should be saying. Sorry, um, First Nations people, yes. That, you know, I'm that we're talking out of term. Like, yep, no, um, and fair enough. Look, we're, I, I get it. I'm the poster boy the, for white privilege. The next one is Andrew Tate. <laughs> Sorry, that's the poster boy for white privilege. Oh, dear. Andrew Tate. So that were, those are the top four. The submarine was six. An earthquake in Melbourne beat the submarine. 
Yeah, that's because it's more relevant to us as Australians. Yeah. And an earthquake in Melbourne doesn't seem like a common event, really. Well, yeah. I, I mean, earthquakes in, in Australia don't, in Australia don't seem like... I mean, I, I spent... I'm Aussie-born, but I, I spent my first 10 years in New Zealand and earthquakes were just every yeah, other day. Yeah, that's just normal. Yeah. Uh, so, when it comes to Australians, who do you think are in the top three for Google searches in Australia? I want to say Magna Zabansky, but I know that. No, why would she be in it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a problem with Magna. <laughs> like, she's awesome, but why would know. she be in Google search this year? So what did she says, do? <laughs> I don't know. Someone just says Australian is being Googled and, and the first name that always pops into my head is Magna. And I think it's because it's such an unusual name. It's just like, you know, any Well, I'll tell you the first one is Sam Kerr. Oh, the legend Sam Kerr. Of course, because, you know, the, the Aussie women's soccer team – Fourth in the World Cup, highest ever result for an Australian football team, soccer team, whatever you want to call it, in any World Cup, men's, women's, or otherwise. Incredible result. I feel I feel like I jinxed them though, because when I started watching, they started to to lose, and then I'd turn it off, and then they'd win. Yeah. So. And and the next one is Mary Fowler. <laughs> I know that you're going. Who? What? She's one of the the um, Australian female soccer players, isn't she? Yep. Yeah. Do you know where she's playing? She at Chelsea? Well, she's in the English Women's Prem- yeah, Super in the, League. In the, yep. Yep. Manchester. Manchester, right, right. Because yep. uh, no, Sam Kerr's at Chelsea? Uh, I don't Co- know. A couple of the, the ladies are at Chelsea. I, yeah. I'm sorry, people. I am not a soccer fan, so <sighs> you know, don't hate me. It's great that they've got through, and I'm proud that they have done what they have achieved. That's amazing. But when it comes to soccer, like I, no, genuinely I, I only don't started care. following English soccer when Welcome to Wrexham. I watched the Welcome yeah, to Wrexham. Yeah, that Re- was and, weird. And, and I watched. <laughs> I, and I'm I'm now a Wrexham supporter because I can connect to that team because I tried. I tried you for love years. Deadpool, you have. I a love man Ryan crush Reynolds. On Ryan. Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Move over, Blake Lively. I'm coming for you, man. <laughs> but so no. It, look, like, we know my, that he has a thing for blondes, uh, so look, you, you all, could be all, in. <laughs> all my mates would watch Premier League, and they'd be talking it up, and that, and I'd try and watch. And I remember sitting. I tried to watch like Man City versus Stoke the year after Man City won the Premiership. And I remember walking away from watching that game. I can't watch this. Like Man City, you were like I tried. The, I really the tried. most expensive team in history that was like at the time two hundred and seventy eight million dollars on the field, and mm. you know, at any given time, and they had twenty two shots at goal, and only two of them were on target. And I was like, if I'm getting paid that kind of money, and I've got one job, and that is to kick the ball at the goal. I need to be better than accurate 10% of the time. But you th- yeah, you think about it. I had 22 shots at something. My chances of getting 22 You've shots. You've got more chance of being more accurate if you're blindfolded. So, and, and I walked away from that. And Sorry, I went, soccer I can't, players will be I was, like I hanging can't do on you. I can't do it. I can't watch this. And then, of course, Welcome to Rexon came along. I went, well, it's Ryan Reynolds. He's bought it, so I'll check it out because it's Ryan Reynolds. 100%. I went, I'll check it out because it's, it's Deadpool. It's Ryan Reynolds, right? Sweet. And in all honesty, like, it's a really well-put-together documentary. But then you got to know the players. And at the same time, they were in the bottom professional yeah, league. Yeah, you got to understand how the league actually Absolutely. Works. But because they're in the bottom professional league, you also didn't have this expectation that they would be able to be more than 10% accurate, right? <laughs> Which they are, by the way. They're so much more accurate than that Man City team I watch. 
And so you start to get to know the players and their ordinary blokes who are just trying to do their best and trying to make careers and all that sort of stuff. And then you watch them progress and suddenly you're hooked in and next thing you know, you, you we don't get to watch the games here in Australia, but I'm sitting on Google going, what are the latest Wrexham results and seeing what they're going. I know which games are coming up and, you know. So yeah. the next one, surprise, surprise, is Michael Clark. Clarky. Oh, that's right. Did he get in a blue this year? Yeah, with his... Now was it was it with Carl Stefanovic and him? No, no. Didn't no. Carl step in? He stepped. He in stepped with in to his try fiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to try, try and calm, and calm it everything down. down. Yeah. But yeah, it got heated, and his um, I'm guessing now ex wife um, pretty much went. <laughs> you can sit on it and rotate. I'm done. Yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Wasn't the rumor that he was fooling around or something? Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Ah, look. Okay. Pups so. National treasure. Um, people who we have lost this year. Right. Who do you think? The latest one. Yep. Captain Holt. I know not Australian, but Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yes, yes. He, Andre uh, Brunner yes. or whatever his name. Yes, yep. but you have to remember that this is Google searched. Yep. No, 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 I get that. But no, we lost. We lost Captain Holt. We obviously lost, lost Matthew Perry. Um, are you talking just Australians or celebrities? No, this, across this is... Everyone? Yeah. We lost Matthew Perry, so Chandler from Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, There's another one that it, like... She sung a th- she sung a song which ended up being the theme song for the Broncos back in the 90s. Oh, Tina Turner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, that wasn't the theme song for the Broncos. That was the theme. So that was the, well, for, the uh, the, for the entire ARL back because it was the ARL when they did it, and it was oh, simply right. the best. Yeah. Um, there was another person who passed away, and Man. nothing compares to her. Oh, I want to say Tina Turner again, but we've just covered. <laughs> nothing compares. I know, I know it. It's it's like it's not Cheryl Crow. It's no, God, no, it's not. No, Cheryl no, no. Crow. It's like, but the, she fits in the same category in my mind. In in my filing system, in my mind, like Tina Turner. Like, do you want Cheryl me to Crow. give you her surname? O'Connor. Now I just want to go Sarah Connor. <laughs> it starts with an S. Sinead O'Connor. Yes. Did she die? Yeah. Did we lose? Well, welcome Sinead. to twenty twenty three. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know we lost. Actually, and, I vaguely remember now. But it, and another one who is very dear to not just Australian comedy, but also New Zealand comedy as well. Um, the, Dame Edna Everidge. Didn't we lose Barry Humphreys? Um, yes, we did. But this particular person, she was very well known for Thank God You're Here. No, never watched and it. And Spicks and Specs. No. That was that's more your alley, Spicks and Specs. Carl Wilson. Oh yeah, no, I was never guessing that. I didn't um, even that name was not even in my filing system. And then but may she rest in peace. Then we also had another person um who who her father was extremely famous. Who had passed away when she was only a little girl. Oh, um, his dad, Lisa Marie, yeah, Lisa Marie Presley, 
Yeah, she yeah. passed away too. She dropped dead at like 52 or something ridiculous. Yeah. Way too young. Yeah, There was a couple of, and I'm really sorry for people that in case I'm just, I, I apologise. Ken Block, um, Johnny Ruffo? No. That, why do I? The name rings a bell, but I, I couldn't, and I can't place And Angus it. Cloud. No. Oh, Angus Cloud, is he like ACDC? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. Oh, no, American actor. American actor. Um, from Fezco? I believe it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. Sorry again to those people who are all over that. I, I, I wasn't clearly one of those people that... Man, what a way to finish the air. That's just depressing. No, hey, I these are all the people that... Yet. Oh, good. Because I'm like, these are all the people that died. Let's finish some um, good news. Has we got some puppies Ken, or something? Ken Block was actually a rally, an American rally driver. So those are the people that we had sadly lost this year. Uh, movies. What do you think the movies are from 2023? Hang on. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... Oh, Top Gun Maverick was awesome. Well, you're going to be very sad. It hasn't even made the top ten. Maybe. Was that 2022, maybe? Has it been a year since I've seen Top Gun Maverick? I really don't know, but continue. Oh, dear. Um, I mean, there was the Marvels, but we didn't see that. Barbie movie. That yes, was actually that good. that was top two. That was top two. Barbie, Barbie movie was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, it was just an absolute piss take on society as a whole. And it made it even more funny how triggered people were by it. Oh, absolutely. That, that was my favourite part. Um, and the and the, the absolute dripping sarcasm all throughout it. Um, Oppenheimer. Yep, that was number one. Yep, not surprised. Um, so the Oppenheimer-Barbie combo. Um, Come on, you love this dude. Yeah, but it's it's that time and date. You have... You have the biggest man crush on this dude. Like he over, I'm pretty sure that him on your list would actually overtake Ryan. Okay. And I, mean, I, ha- I have a crush where I'm I, it, like, I have already said, look, if he was to walk in the room and say, take oh, me right now, talking- Sian, I'd be like, yep. All right. Sorry, baby. Love you. But bye. John, John, uh, County Reeves, John Wick. Yeah. No, I John Wick doesn't overtake Ryan. Ryan's above. Ryan's above. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ryan's above John Wick. I I like John Wick because of the trauma and the shit that I've been through in my life. I want. I I would love to just. His post. training though is pretty oh, remarkable, and given his absolutely. age, absolutely mad respect, shit. mad respect. I would just, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Anyone who's been through shit, who's been through trauma and and battled and got their head. Back to good and and You're it's just done like, good things. I wish I could do that. To you people. just you just some days you sit there and you go, you know what? In a post-apocalyptic world, I would love to just go and wreak havoc. So that was number four. So number three was everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. That there was a book called uh, "Incredibly Loud and Extremely Close," mm-hmm. um, or "Extremely Loud and Incredibly Co- Close." And that was all about the sensory uh, challenges of, of basically having a, a spectrum brain, a neurospicy brain. And so when I read that title, I didn't want to go anywhere near it because I just felt I'd be triggered due to sensory overload. like that. And I know that's probably not the case, 
that it's got nothing to do I with it. I can't say that I've seen anything but about that, it. But the title so. of the movie just made me go, you know what? I'm good. I'll leave that one. Hope I'm, everyone enjoys I'm, it. I'm too... I'm Okay. So this next topic is recipes. The most Googled recipes for 2023 in Australia. I'm just trying to think what my most Googled are. I mean, but then again, I've been teaching like the boys in, in the fantasy football um, group. I've been teaching them how to smoke meats and barbecue and stuff. So, um, I mean. You wouldn't know this one. The first one up is coronation quiche. Ah, pff, whatever. The next one is grimace Zero shake. Zero interest. Zero interest. You're um, not in barbecue. This is pointless. Th- this this one, number four, is actually the CWA, so the Country Women's yep, Association, yep. Anzac Biscuit Recipe. Okay, I'll come back in the room for Anzac Biscuits. But let's um, get to barbecue. Come on. The, the next one is you You will be all over this like a – like mustard. <laughs> it's lamb stew. Eh, it's not barbecue. See, I'd, the I would, next one – I'd expect there to be some sort of like – you know, bourbon glazed ham the or something like that in there. The next one is porn star martinis. Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed I, in you, Australia. Do you, do you know what? We're at six okay. and there's no barbecue recipes. I have one for you. I have never heard of this before. <sighs> Marry me chicken. Whatever. Like, what is you, that? I, it's chicken so good you want to marry me. Like, but it, it just... Where's the barbecue, Australia? We are the nation of barbecue and... Okay. And I'm calling this rigged. Okay. So the top three sports, Googles of 2023. Cricket, AFL, NRL. No. No, soccer, cricket, AFL. No. Two, two, the top two are the same, just different things within that sport. I know that you're going, how can you have two the same but not <laughs> – same, same, but different as far as I'm concerned. The first one is the Cricket World Cup. Oh, okay. We're talking events, not sports. And so I was right because I said cricket. Well, no, because the so next one is the World Ashes. Cup. Yeah, the Ashes. That's cricket. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying. It's two different things, but it's from the one sport. Yeah, but you were saying what sports were the most Googled, and so I said cricket. And then the third is the Women's World Cup. Okay, so cricket and soccer. Yep. Yep, that makes sense. So that... Man, I is, can't wait for the next Ashes series. Is the the world... What's the score in the cricket right now? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be found in my Google searches. There's <laughs> no love, no respect. There is love and there is respect, but it's definitely not it draws It draws the line at cricket. Yeah. And on that note... <laughs> We'll catch you next week. Make sure you tune in. Uh, We're jumping through a whole bunch of media property predictions for 2024. And then the week after, we're going to tell you our property predictions. So January 2nd, you'll be hopefully tuning in. Uh, Not too much of a hangover. And uh, we'll we'll let you know what we expect to see in 2024. And then you can, can, as the year goes on, compare, take some notes. See if we're wrong. Compare backs. Let's see what our strike rate is. Okay. Peace out.